Only you can be seated. Not only uh, are we desperate for him, but you realize how desperately he loved you and me. That's what the cross was all about. And if you're here this morning and at times you wonder if anybody cares or understands, just run as quickly as you can to the foot of the cross. Be reminded that God loves us. And you'll see the extent uh, he was willing to become one of us for a time frame in order to accomplish what he needed to do to deal with sin once and for all. Praise the Lord. You know, it's interesting. We often pray and request things of the Lord, but there's times when we ought to praise him. Um, I was just uh, reminded as we were singing that we've heard some news about Gifty and Joel, and Joel is, they, they found a place, I believe, to live not too far from where he works, and uh, praise the Lord for that, and I think Gifty begins a job this coming week, so uh, a lot is happening there, so continue to pray, but we need to praise God for that, right? We need to praise him because we often request things, but when things happen, do we praise him? Um, we've kind of got a walking miracle and Bruce sitting over here because, uh, uh, he just made a trip up north to Mayo Clinic and returned safely in all the snow and sleet and everything else, but he came back with a great report. And uh, you want to take a moment and share with us? I know I'm putting you on the spot, and you be thinking about something you might want to share. Let's take a few moments here, and let's just praise the Lord together. And you can share if there's something on your heart. Keep it short and sweet so a few of us can do it. But would you start us here? Give us a report. Amen. sense where um, I'm excited about living for another 20 years. And there's another sense when uh, 
Well, I guess uh, the Lord wanted us to hear your testimony today, Bruce. And uh, you have a lot to praise God for. We do too. But we uh, we also uh, we're grateful for what lies ahead in glory, aren't we? Seeing the Lord and seeing loved ones. We all have someone over there that's very dear to us. But uh, there's hope. There's hope. And uh, one of these days we'll be there. I don't know that any of us are trying to hurry the process up, are we, to get there. We want to be faithful in the time that God gives us. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, Sharon Schertz called. I've told some of you this. She called last night and said, we're canceling the ladies' class because most of the ladies that are in that class are older ladies, and they won't be here tomorrow because of the weather. And then Barb told me about that, and I looked at Barb, and I said, you know what? I think I'm in that class, you know? <laughs> uh, one of these older ones, so I said, we're going to try to get there, but uh, wow, life flies by, doesn't it? Flies by. Marie? Good to see you.
Amen. Amen. Well, folks did pray for you. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Anybody else? Something going on you would want to share with us? Feel free to do that. Anyone? Ken? Well, take your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew 16. A few thoughts before we head home today, okay? Um, we're going to be in a series of messages entitled, I Will Build My Church. Matthew 16, verse 13. The uh, Lord is involved in his earthly ministry, and he's got some time with his disciples, um, 4,000 had been fed, a number of things had been going on, and some folks, once a little pressure was put on as to who he was, whatever, they began to, to question some things and begin to walk away. And here in Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, here's what he said. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What a powerful statement that he made. We'll build on that in just a moment. Jesus replied, and he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples. In other words, not to get ahead of the, the whole process and program. He said, don't tell anyone that he was the Christ. Let's do a quick review and then a few thoughts and we'll be on our way. Uh, last week, we kind of introduced things quite simply uh, about I will build my church. Um, 
remember we talked a little bit about the pastoral search, that it's well underway now. And as Jonah has mentioned, we have over 20 resumes that have come in. Um, as you review those resumes, you find that some fit, some don't. Uh, there's a few possibilities, I think, out of the 23 that have come in. Um, we have a meeting tomorrow night. We'll be walking through some things and preparing uh, the team uh, to begin to interview and whatever as the opportunity comes. Uh, the team has done their homework. Uh, I'm impressed with the homework they've done, the time and effort that they've put in. Uh, the pastor profile, here's the key. We're looking for a Christ-like character in the next pastor. We're looking for a man who can effectively communicate the word of God in the next pastor. Uh, we're looking for someone who has a shepherd's heart in the next pastor. We're looking for a pastor who realizes that, that the flock that he leads and shepherds, that flock is gifted of God. God sees fit to gift. And so we're looking for a gift-based ministry philosophy in that pastor. And uh, looking for a pastor who worships the Lord and would lead in worship and see the, the importance of worship. This, this next pastor, we trust, will have a passion for worshiping God and uh, engaging the, the body in that worship as you meet together. Um, that's important. Team has, I believe, done a fine job in putting things together, and we're waiting on the Lord to show us who, who it is. Will he come through this process? Yes, in one way or another, this man will, whether it's through these resumes or some other way, but God knows he's going to bring the right man here. The reason we're moving into this series, though, is because uh, there's another question. Not only who is the man, but what does God expect of Christ Community Church? Not the building, but the body. What does God expect? Um, you see, a pastoral search is a two-way street. If this man is wise, and he's, he, I hope he is, and if he is, what he'll be doing is he'll be searching you out as a body. Sometimes I don't think we realize that, but as he comes and... He, if he believes that God is leading this this way and, and you were to call him as your pastor, he needs to know what kind of church he's coming to. What, what are you like? What are your passions? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What is it that you're searching God's heart for as a body of believers? And that's what I trust this series of messages will help us with, will help prepare us, help remind us, of what God desires, of what God will honor, what God will bless in a local body of believers. I kind of put it this way, it's God's people. It's God's people doing God's work. And uh, they're doing God's work in God's way under the leadership of God's man. And as a result of that, they're gonna experience what God can do, God's results. That's what we're asking God to do in your heart and life and in ours as a couple as a part of this ministry. But what is the church? What is the church? Well, it's a New Testament organism or institution. It began at Pentecost and no doubt will end at the rapture. 
Uh, there's two key words, ecclesia, used 111 times or more in the New Testament, talking about we're called out ones. There's another word called kuriakin, meaning that that which belongs to the Lord. We mentioned that last week. Uh, the thought of, to sum it up, the church is composed of a body of believers that have been called out from the world around us and we're under the domination and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't forget and don't overlook the importance of you as a body of believers, of the church as a whole. I don't think we can overstate the importance of the church. The church is that which God purchased with the blood of his own son. That's important. That's how important the church is. You are to God. He purchased you. He purchased me through the shed blood of his own son. The church is that which Jesus Christ loves. He said he's going to nourish you and me, the body. He's going to cherish us. And one of these days, along with other local churches that are all made up as a key part of that organism of the body of Christ, he's going to present us to himself in all glory and honor someday. The church constitutes the principal work of Jesus Christ today. He's building his church. That's what he's talking about in this passage. We'll get to it in a moment. Christ is also building his church, and as he does it, he builds it through the body. The body interacts. The body gets involved with the spiritual gifts and the abilities that he gives us so that as we build one another up, we move towards the ultimate goal. Remember, that goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's that all things work together for good, right? For our good, for God's glory, to those who love him and who trust him. In the next verse, Romans 8, 29, is that God's ultimate purpose and goal is to conform you and I to the image of his son. Ultimately, that will happen when we're in glory, but until then, the body, you and I, are so key to the maturity and growth and building up of one another. Um, so let's take a few moments here before we go and remind ourselves of the relationship of Jesus Christ to the church. You see, in, in the passage that we read, the Lord Jesus makes this comment. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. During his earthly ministry, the Lord announced that's what he was going to do. He was going to do something new. It hadn't been done yet. Something that he was going to build. It's a future type of thing, he said in his earthly ministry. I will build my church. It indicates that it hasn't been done yet in the time frame that he was talking about. Now, the church didn't begin immediately after he said, I'm going to build it. You see, it became a functioning reality, I guess you'd say, on the day that the Holy Spirit came, on the day of Pentecost, which was some 50 days following the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The church began to function. The church was in place. Um, so if that's true, what then was the relationship of Jesus Christ to the church, to his body? 
I mean, during his earthly life, it wasn't an operation yet. Well, in Matthew 16, verse 18, he said, I will build, what? My church. Jesus is the founder, okay? I guess in one word, you'd say founder. He's the founder. It's his church. He's also the foundation of his church. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, there's no other foundation that can be laid other than the one that is laid, who is and what is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. Now, we also are going to find out that he's all of that and more. As the founder, he chose the disciples or the apostles who occupy a place in this. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, you are no, no longer foreigners or aliens. He's talking about those who make up the body of Christ. But he said, we're fellow citizens with God's people and we're members of God's household. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So as the founder, he chose the apostles who occupy a place in the foundation as well. But also as the founder, the Lord Jesus taught the disciples about matters that would then become very effective as the church began to function. Um, remember the upper room setting? You and I weren't there. It took place 2,000 years ago. But if you've read about it in John 13 through 16, you realize it was shortly before Jesus goes to the cross. And he has his disciples together in the upper room. That's when he washes their feet and so forth. But in that upper room discourse, he taught the disciples some new things. Uh, some of the new things that he revealed included a new command. Remember what that command was? I give you this command. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another, and by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That was a new teaching to them. New teaching to them. But it's vital because that's what God expects not only of the apostles back then, but that's what he expects of his body. He expects you and I to fulfill that commandment that he gave. There was a new relationship that he talked about. And that new relationship I will not leave you as orphans, he said. For before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I will live with you. Because I live, you will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. John 14, verse 20. Jesus not only took the disciples aside and uh, as the cornerstone and as the head of the body and as the founder of the body, the, the disciples were given some keys. We'll talk more about that later on in our series. But they were given some keys to work with and work from. But now in the upper room there, in the upper room discourse or teaching, Jesus is reminding them or telling them new and fresh some things a new command to love one another, a new relationship. I've been with you, but now the Spirit of God is going to be in you. Then he gave them a new basis for prayer. Remember what that was? Basically, you've never prayed in my name before. 
You've never done that. But now you'll be able to pray to the Father in my name. He said, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. But as the body, as that church begins, as it begins to function, it hadn't started yet, but he's preparing them. He said, the time will come where you'll pray in my name to the Father. And God will respond as a result of you praying in my name. And then he gave them a new hope. And you know, know all about that new hope, right? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, or what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, thought is no doubt I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So that's what went on in that upper room as he was preparing them for the coming body, for the coming church as it began to function, a new hope. Um, one of these days will be in his presence. By the way, as he's talking here about building his church, he tells Peter, he said, uh, I'm going to build that church. And he talks about a rock. Remember? Have any idea what the rock is on which the church is built? Any idea? Um, what Peter said, the statement he made, the declaration he gives, all right? You know, there are basically three um, interpretations of what it means. Some would say Jesus is, and by the way, there's numerous Bible scholars uh, uh, that would come down in any one of these three areas or possibly more. One is that Jesus is that rock. Another is that Peter is the rock. Another is that Peter's declaration or statement that Linda referred to is the rock. Um, personally, uh, tell you where I'm at, doesn't make me right. When we get to heaven, you'll find out that I was right, probably. But personally, I believe that the rock the church is built upon is a combination of two of these three. I believe it's Peter's testimony or declaration that Jesus is the Son of God, because that's the only way for you and I to get into that body. This body, it's not only Peter saying that, you had to say that too if you're a part of the body. That's part of it. But there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus Christ is that rock, the foundation that is being built upon. Um, MacArthur's study Bible puts it this way, since the New Testament makes it abundantly clear that Christ is both the foundation and the head of the church, it could very well be a mistake to think that here he is giving either of those roles to Peter. Um, not saying MacArthur's right, I'm just sharing this. There's a sense in which Peter and the other apostles play a foundational role in the building of the church, but the role of primacy is reserved for Jesus Christ alone, not assigned to Peter. I agree with that. So Jesus' words are here best interpreted as a simple play on words that really what happened, what Peter did was share a boulder-like truth that came from the mouth of the one that Jesus said, you're the small stone, a rock. 
Matter of fact, Peter explains himself that the church is built on living stones who, like Peter, confess the same thing, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Uh, but remember, Jesus said, I will build not Peter's church. I will build my church. The Bible Knowledge Commentary puts it this way. It is and was Peter's declaration about Jesus as Messiah, Son of the living God, that led Jesus to declare that he's going to build his church. Uh, the Messiah's program. I guess it would be best to understand that Jesus was praising Peter for his accurate statement about him. That Jesus was introducing his work of building the church simply upon himself. That's how I see that passage playing out. Um, so as the founder, Jesus did a number of things. Um, he taught the disciples what he wanted them to know, what they were going to have to be able to, to use to function effectively as the body of Christ and so forth. But then one more thought on the founder. He sent, when he went back to glory, he was a part of seeing to it that the Holy Spirit came. And on the day of Pentecost, when the church began to function, the one who activated it was who? the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, it became a functioning entity in Acts chapter 2 as we read the history of the church. You see, Jesus in his earthly ministry had prophesied, he said ahead of time, that I'm going to build my church. It was also a promise that I'm going to build my church. And on the day of Pentecost, the purposes of the church began to be fulfilled. As we shared last week, the world looked at a few unschooled and ordinary men. They were astonished at what they were doing and what they were accomplishing. But they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So as we conclude our thought this morning, you see the Holy Spirit, in a sense, authenticated what Jesus had promised and what he had prophesied. The church came into being in it simple, ordinary people. They began to worship God in a way that brought glory to his name here on earth. And those simple, ordinary people began to share the message of the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And the reason all of that took place was for the human heart and soul to have hope. Because the sinner then can be forgiven and declared righteous in the sight of God. That began to happen. It's called evangelism. And a few simple, ordinary people got involved in the process. And then those simple, ordinary people, it's very interesting. And we're going to begin to see this as we walk through the, this study. They began to develop individually, and they began to develop and disciple each other because they were moving toward that goal of being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. But the body, the goal he has in mind is for us to become more Christ-like, more like him. And that happens as we develop, and we develop as we disciple one another and work with one another and use our abilities and talents to do that. And it was just a few simple, ordinary people that turned the world upside down as they became a witness of Jesus Christ and the power and the importance 
of his word. Our prayer for you, I trust it's your prayer for your, your body as a church, is that you will be a simple New Testament church here in Princeton. That's what we're praying. Another thing I'm praying is that we commit to doing what we can to champion you and I as the ordinary person who is filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. Um, that's what the early church was. That's what they did. And uh, when he was not in control and when they were not spirit-filled, it was a disaster. It did not go well. Um, that's the church at its finest. When it's being God's people, doing God's work in God's way under the leadership of God's man. And they begin to experience what God is capable of doing in and through the body. So next week we'll pick up on really what to me is the heart of our series. And that is that the, the authenticator, the Holy Spirit, is behind it all. And when you and I begin to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what God can do. So it's not about us, it's about him. But Jesus, the head of the body, is at the right hand of the Father. And the agent that's down here at work today is the Holy Spirit. So next Sunday, we'll learn a little more about him and how he works in the body and why. We'll see where God takes this. Amen? Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for how you meet our needs. We're grateful that, Lord Jesus, we can pray in your name to the Father. And you even help us, Holy Spirit, you who indwell us, to pray in ways we don't know how, because unless we're praying according to the will of the Father, uh, you hear our words, you just can't respond in a positive way to our prayers. And you help us pray, and we're so grateful. Uh, we desire to know your heart, your will about this body, what you're longing to do. So teach us, if you would, as we open your word from Sunday to Sunday, as we worship, as we're fed from your word. May we grow. May we be encouraged. May we become more like you. When it's all said and done, may you use this body of believers to make a positive spiritual impact in the community of Princeton, Illinois. You've done that in the past. You're doing it today. But God, we long for you to do even more in our midst and as a result of us walking with you and trusting you. Thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for reminding us today through the testimonies of people, how you work and how you care for us. We give you praise and we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus.